We welcome you to the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe God has a message for you today that will encourage and speak truth to your heart and life. Let's join Pastor Melanie Bertolio as she shares the word with us today. Hi, everybody. Welcome. We are glad everyone's here. I am super excited tonight. This is the last night in our Names of God series. And I'm, I'm really, I didn't even think about it. It was just really the Holy Spirit um, who, who, who prompted me to make the last song that we were going to do today. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is not the name that we're talking about tonight, but it is the the person, the, God, the, the part of the, the triune God that we're going to discuss tonight is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I'm, I, I, I'm so glad. Hot Springs actually, our, our church in Hot Springs actually did this same series. I, I, to be honest with you, I just don't know if they're quite as led by the Holy Spirit as we are here. <laughs> Here's why. They did it in the middle of the summer. And I don't know exactly when they ended, but, but our pastor, the man of God who leads this church so well, he planned this thing all out to where the last night we are going to talk about Emmanuel. And it, we, are, we, we just decorated, we just did all the stuff, getting ourselves ready for Christmas. And guess what? The Holy Spirit just work this out perfectly and we're going to talk tonight about Emmanuel and I hope that as we talk about Emmanuel tonight it will get you excited about the Christmas season. I hope it will give you a different perspective on the Christmas season and I hope it will kind of get us back to center on the Christmas season because we 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 tend to get a little out of whack even the even Christians we we're doing good things but sometimes we get so caught up in the good things that we kind of forget what it really represents. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. I have lived my whole life. I grew up in a Christian home. And so I've lived my whole life knowing that God was with me. I, I, I've never, ever had a question in my mind of whether or not God was with me because I had Christian parents who taught me from the, the time I was able to know anything that God is with me. Now, some of you don't have that story. And, and, and I'm sorry, but please, please leave a heritage to your own children where you teach them that God is with them at all times. I've always known that God would never leave me or forsake me. He would never turn his back on me. Why did I know that? Because before I can remember it, my parents were teaching me that. And it got inside of me, and I, I just believe it. I can't even explain to you. I don't remember the day when I started believing it. I've just always known it to be true, that God's not ever going to turn his back on me. I've lived my whole life hearing the story of Jesus' birth. And I've never, I never remember a time not believing it. Some people say it's an outlandish story that a, a, a child, a, a, a virgin conceived a child. It's never been outlandish to me. Why? Because my parents taught it to me before I was even old enough to remember them teaching it to me. So I just have never not believed that. But I, I know the story of Jesus' birth 
in hindsight. In other words, I get to look back on history and know and understand the story of Jesus' birth. That's quite an advantage. It'll, it, it causes us to sometimes get a little haughty uh, and think to ourselves, those crazy Israelites. I mean, how many, how many prophecies did Jesus fulfill when he was born and, and in his lifetime? And we just kind of go, well, I would have never been like that. I would have known. I, I've read those prophecies and I would have seen that, that this was Jesus, that this was, was the promised Messiah. But we say that and we can never really know how we would have handled it because we, we haven't had the experience of having to, to read the prophecy and wonder why, how that was going to play out and wonder what that was going to look like. So it's, it's I, I, I believe in Jesus. I have always believed in Jesus. I have always believed in uh, a God who is with me. And I've always believed the story of the birth of Christ because there's evidence that I can lean on. But the Israelites didn't have that evidence. I want us to read out of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And this is the first time that uh, the, the name of God, Emmanuel, is ever mentioned. And it says, um, all right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Now, let me just back up. Okay, so Isaiah is speaking to a very fearful king who is, is worried about being invaded and overtaken. And this is a common theme in the story of the Israelites. And so Isaiah is saying, look, the Lord himself will give you the sign. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, the Israelites were told, God is coming to earth. I mean, how cool is that? We live with that same understanding, don't we? We look forward to the day when Jesus is coming back to earth. And I I used to, as a child, I used to hear people say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And I would think, no, don't come, Jesus. I haven't had, gotten married. I haven't gotten to have children. I, I, don't come yet, Jesus. And, but the older I get, the more I'm saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. The more I watch the news, I'm saying, come, Lord Jesus, come, please. But, but we, we get to look back on the birth of Jesus, and we see the evidence of his birth, we get to read the stories of people who were there when he was resurrected and, and, and got to see him alive even after he was dead. And so our ability to, to believe is a little bit different than the Israelites' ability. But the fulfillment of this prophecy, God is a baby born in a manger, the magnitude of, of December 25th or whatever date you think it is, but we celebrate it on December 25th. Nobody here is saying we know unequivocally that it, Jesus was born on December 25th. I know that there's a lot of people say it happened in the spring. Some people say it happened in late summer. It doesn't really matter. This is what we're celebrating is Jesus' birth. So the magnitude of December 25th was just bigger than anybody could have imagined Ephesians 3 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And, and that's what he did 
when, when Jesus came to earth and, and, and became God with us, he did so much more than what they ever imagined he was going to do. And yet, many of them didn't believe and were disappointed at the thought that, okay, this is, what you're, this is the Christ, this is the Messiah. They were disappointed. Why? Because they had an expectation. See, they read the prophecy, and they had an expectation. And, and we do that in life, don't we? I think that most of the, the conflict that people deal with in life, when it's conflict between individuals, it's really just unmet expectations. I mean, you think about that. I, I say to, to Joanna, I want you to sweep and mop my floor. And I have an expectation of what that looks like. And then Joanna sweeps and mops my floor in a space this big. And I wanted, well, she did a great job in the space this big, but I wanted the whole floor. And suddenly I'm upset with Joanna because she didn't do what I asked her to do. She's upset with me because I didn't explain what I wanted her to do. And, and, and we are in conflict because we, because we both have unmet expectations. And the Israelites had some expectations that really were unmet, if, if we're going to be honest, in, um, when Jesus came. Should they have been un, should should they have felt that way? Obviously no. But would we have? Possibly. Possibly because we we ju- we have the advantage of hindsight and hindsight's always 2020. And so we've got to be real careful not to be too hard on the Israelites. So uh they had the prophecy about Jesus coming to the earth, and they believed the prophecy. So, so that's actually good. They, they had faith in the prophecy. They believed the man of God when, when that prophecy was given in Isaiah. They just didn't, they just had some expectations of what it was going to look like. So, so perspective is big. You know, their perspective is far different than our perspective is. And, and so, Emmanuel, God is with us. The God of the universe, the creator, the one who owns everything and holds it all together. He's coming to earth. This is going to be epic. This is what they're thinking. This is going to be huge. And that's what we would have thought too, right? I mean, up to that point in time, they had not been able to experience God with us. He visited periodically, but even those visits were not in human form. He came as a, a pillar of fire or a cloud by day. He was in a burning bush, but he was not here physically in a body that you could walk up to and touch and see and prove. And so their only experience in, in dealing with the presence of God was one where they had to, to be so incredibly careful or else they were going to die. And you're telling us now that, that, that God is going to come to earth 
and we're going to be able to, 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 to touch him and see him and know him. This was brand new to them. This was so much bigger than what I think we sometimes understand. And so they, they thought, he's going to come. He's going to triumph over our enemies. He's going to make everything right that's been wrong. He's going to do all this stuff. He's going to be accessible to us. And we are so excited about this. And why did they think that? Well, because in, he, in Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 2, it gives them reason to be excited about it. It says this. It says, starting in verse 2, uh, chapter 9, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. That sounds like quite an entrance into the world, doesn't it? I mean, man, when God comes to earth in human form, he is going to, to destroy our enemies. He's going to make it to where we never have to go to war ever again. He's going to break the yoke of our slavery, and, and it, he's going to come with all this pageantry, and he's going to be so majestic and brilliant and splendid. It's going to be amazing. He's going to vindicate us. He's going to deliver us. And it's going to be huge. It goes on to say in verse 6, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. That's big stuff. And, and there's, it's saying that his government and his peace, it's never going to end. He's going to rule on the throne of David for all eternity. This is going to be so amazing when he gets here. We just cannot wait for this. And you know what? Every single one of those prophecies came true in Jesus. Every single one of them. And yet so many who were so eagerly anticipating his arrival missed it. And if we're not careful, when we have the opportunity, we can miss it too. And so we've got to be not, not condemning the Israelites, but learning from them, if nothing else. I've really been asking my question, this question, why did they miss it? Emmanuel, God is with us. He was right there. There were some people who walked with him. For a season of time. And then it says they just decided not to anymore. They just stopped. Can you imagine the opportunity to walk with Jesus and then just going, eh, that was fun for a while, but I think I'm moving on to something better. 
I can't imagine that. But people did it. Why? Was it because they said, you know what? I just really want to turn my back on the Savior of the world. No, it's because they didn't recognize him as the Savior of the world. They didn't recognize him as Emmanuel, God with us. I want us to recognize God with us. So why did they miss it? Well, the Israelites were just, I mean, we're, there's just nothing new under the sun. And people just always be being people. And um, they were people just like we are. And the fact of the matter is that they thought they knew what they needed. You think about that. They were in and out of bondage all the time. And what did they want when they were in bondage? They wanted out of bondage. They had enemies threatening them all the time. And, and, and what did they want? They wanted God to come in and destroy their enemies. They were in constant need of help. What did they want? They wanted help. They were a lot like we are. I mean, when we can't build, pay the bills, what do we want? We want some money, don't we? When I can't pay the bills, I want money. It, when I'm praying to God, I'm asking him for what? I'm asking him for money. When, when, when my, my marriage is a mess, what am I asking God for? God, fix my marriage. But really, I'm saying, God, fix my husband. I mean, that's what we pray for. We rarely say, God, fix me. God, show me how I'm messing this thing up. We don't, we don't pray for that. God, fix my marriage. When, I am, when my health is failing, what am I asking God for? Heal my body. Why? Because I think I know what I need. When I don't have money, I think I need money. I think I know what I need. When I don't have health, I think that, that I need to be healed. I think I know what I need. But, you know, sometimes when I don't have enough money to pay my bills, I don't need more money. Sometimes I just need to learn to steward over the money that God's already given me, that I've been messing up. When I am, am, am sick and in the hospital and I'm, my health is failing, what do I need? I don't necessarily need to be healed. I need to stop eating junk all the time and begin to see food as something differently than, than, than a, a pleasure that I, I'm, I'm entitled to anytime I want it. When my marriage is in trouble, I need to be asking God to show me how to fix me, to reveal to me the things that I'm messing up. And you know, the Israelites were just like that. They thought they knew what they needed. And so when, when they are told that a Savior is coming, that God is coming to earth and he's going to do all this stuff, they get this picture in their mind of what that looks like. And it's, it's, it's God coming in and destroying all of their enemies. It's God coming in and rescuing them and it's God providing for them and protecting them and it's God having taking control over the government so that no one is ever going to come in and rule over them again and they missed it when they hear that God is coming to the earth to break the yoke of their slavery it never occurred to them that their slavery was an inner problem. They were looking around at the world and going, oh, slavery really stinks. I do not like being in slavery. And when he comes, he is going to rescue me from slavery. 
Well, he did. He provided all that was needed to deliver every human being that's ever lived from the bondage to sin. But see, they were looking for a physical rescue. They were looking to be, to be delivered from, from slavery in, in the natural realm. And the fact of the matter is, God is always looking on our hearts first. Always, every single time. So, so when they thought, oh, he's coming to rescue us from slavery, it didn't occur to them that he was talking about slavery to sin. When they heard that Emmanuel, God with us, is coming to the earth to enlarge the nation of Israel. That's part of what it says there in that passage. They, they think that the borders are getting ready to be expanded and moved out. They're thinking in the natural realm, and God is operating in the, in the, in the spiritual realm. And he's think, they don't, it doesn't occur to them that that means that the Gentiles are going to be brought in and the people of God is going to expand in such a huge way. They don't even think like that. So when, when, when God, Jesus starts... Uh, talking on the earth, and, and, and they start to even get a, a whiff of him loving everybody and not just them. Well, that, this isn't what Isaiah talked about. But it is. When they heard that the government would rest upon the shoulders of this in-person God who would live among them, they were like, oh, yeah. We have been ruled over for too long, and that's getting ready to come to an end. We'll get to be the ruler, not the rulee. They weren't seeing with spiritual eyes. They were seeing through a, a, a natural eyes, and we do the same thing. They had an expectation of what it would be like for God to dwell among them. And they thought, we're going to finally get what we deserve as the chosen people of God. Finally, we're going to get our, our, our just desserts. And people are going to know that we are chosen, that we are special. But it says, a child is born and a son is given. And in that statement, we, we, we get a picture of God being God and God being human. And he was both. He came to the earth as a human, but he was God. And when it says that Emmanuel is God with us, God really was with us. He really was here on the earth in human form but when it says a son is given see a child that's in the flesh a child is born and Jesus was born just like you and I have been born he he was there was a natural birth that took place he was born and that was was God with us Emmanuel being human but it also says that a son was given it does not say a son was born. It says a son was given. And what's really important for us to get out of that is that the son existed before the child was born. 
The son existed before the child was ever born. As a matter of fact, the son has existed forever. God himself took on flesh. And Jesus was a child who was born, but he was the son of God who was given. And in John 1.1, it says this. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing... Uh, that was created except nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Then in, in verse 14 in the, the English Standard Version, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word became flesh. We have a child, but we've seen his glory, the glory as of the only son of God. We've got human flesh and God, fully God, fully man. In John 6, Jesus said, I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. See, Jesus came to do the Father's will. But he also came to represent the Father. So what does it mean when he represents the Father? It means that he presents us a picture of the Father. See, when I, I could, if we lived back then, we could look at Jesus. He says, when you see me, you've seen the Father. So we can look at Jesus and we can know what God is like. The world would be able to see and know the Father because we had the experience of Emmanuel, God with us. Up to this time, the Israelites had only known of God in those ways that we mentioned burning bush, a cloud, a pillar of fire, in the Holy of Holies. But then they had to, 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 they had to be so fearful to approach his presence that because, because if you didn't do it properly, you could die. But when Jesus came, everything changed. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In Hebrews 1, it says Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of him. Jesus was God, is God, will always be God. And the Israelites had a, a really tough time believing that. Why? Because he didn't come in with the pomp and circumstance that they expected him to come in with. And sometimes I think we have that same type of expectation. We miss God in those little moments of our lives because we're looking for something massive. We're looking for blinking red signs and, 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 and fireworks and all kinds of stuff. And we miss God with us because we're looking for something. We've set an expectation. And just because we have the expectation doesn't mean it's a right expectation. Going back to John 1.1, I want to read this in light of just talking about God being uh, 
with us in the flesh. And it says, the word, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. We're going to keep going though this time. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself wasn't the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human, made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Here's what you have to know. Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. But God is with you. Jesus didn't make his debut on Christmas morning. He was here all along. He created, it says everything that's ever been created was created through him. He's the word. He's the word of God. When I read something on a paper, it embod- he is embodied in that word. John 1, 3, through him all things were made. In Genesis 1, 26, it says, let us make man in our image. Jesus was part of that hour. Jesus was fully human, fully God. He could be thirsty, which makes him fully human. He could walk on water, which makes him God. He grew in wisdom and and knowledge and favor. That made him human because we can do that. No matter how old you are, you can still do that. But he knew what people were thinking. Some of you think you know that, but you really don't. He did. He was, he's God. He died a physical death on a cross. He was fully human. And he rose from the dead because he was fully God. When he came in the flesh, the whole world changed. And it remains changed to this very day. The whole world knows who Jesus is. There's not one person in this country other than small children who are just not old enough to have learned yet. Not one person, not one adult person in this world, in this country that hasn't heard the name of Jesus. Even if it's just been using it as a vulgar slang term. They've all heard the name of Jesus. Why? Because his entrance into the world changed everything. When he came on the earth, it says in Colossians 1.19 that God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. We, when we read the words, go read the words in red. If you feel like you can't handle the whole Bible at once, read the words in red. You're, you're, you're getting the full picture, the fullness of God spoken by his own son 
for you to read, for you to take in, for you to be nourished by, for, to cause you to grow. In John 1.18, it says, No one's ever seen God, but the only Son, who is himself God, has made him known to all of us. In John 14.9, Jesus says, Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the complete revelation of God. In John 14.6, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You know, there are so many people. You know, I think about all of these these cult leaders that have, have been, you know, you think about the, the, the David Koresh's and the Jim Joneses and different people over the, the, the course of time whose name, they were a flash in the pan. Jesus has always been, is now, and will always be. When Gabriel visited Mary, he told her that she should call the baby Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. And that will, he will save, that is a, that is a word that is still active. People are still being saved by Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. That's what he does. He's come to save us. He was God himself coming to the earth to save us. In Philippians 2, 6, it says, Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to, be, to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He did that for us. He was God. I just, think, I just try to put myself in that position. Would I give... That would I give up my divinity to go and be crucified? I don't I don't think so. But in coming to us, he gives the privilege, gives us the privilege of seeing the nature, the true nature of God. He's holy and awesome, yes. But he's loving and kind and personal and sacrificial. And we should be too. When we want to look like Jesus, sacrifice ought to be a word that we don't shy away from. It, we just shouldn't. Part of the reason that he was so unrecognizable to the Israelites was that he did the opposite of what they expected. He didn't come in with a crown and a robe and, and splendor. He came in and he tied a towel around his waist and he bent down and he washed people's feet and he served people. That's who God was when he was with us. Now he's in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. So we don't have Emmanuel, but make no mistake about it, we do have God with us. We have the Holy Spirit, and yes, we're back to not being able to, to see him physically with our, our natural eyes. We're not able to necessarily touch him, but we can feel him. We can see him with our spiritual eyes. 
And not only can we see him with our spiritual eyes, but he can cause us to see the things that we need to see. When, when our spiritual eyes are opened, we see truth, don't we? That's, just, that's what revelation is. And the Holy Spirit, who is God with us now, is able to open our eyes and help us to see things that we can't otherwise see. And when we see true things that we can't otherwise see, that truth sets us free every single time. So, yeah, we don't have Emmanuel here right now. But we have God with us through the Holy Spirit. And the fact of the matter is, we've always had God with us. The Israelites had God with us. And those who sought him with their whole hearts, they lived their lives knowing that even then. So as you go through and you prepare for December 25th, I would encourage you to really ponder what it meant when God came to the earth in a body, he took on flesh, and he dwelt among us. Why did he do that? He did that so that we could know him and be saved. Who was who he saving us from? Ourselves. Because, because in ourselves, there's nothing good. But he's imparted all of that goodness that he has to us because he came. And I'm so grateful that he did. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.